I want to set the record straight. <laughs> he was talking about the podcast, his podcast, that I had a car repossessed, and it had his walker or whatever he had. <laughs> Working Fans Podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at working fans wrestling underscore pod and then you could now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google podcasts spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Consumers, this is Richard Holiday, the most marketable man in wrestling and the air pod god. And you are listening to the Consumers Working Podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. It's the Working Fans Podcast. This is Dave and AJ for the Working Fans Podcast. I'm going to talk a little wrestling with you guys. AJ, how you doing? Good, man. I'm looking forward to another week of uh, wrestling here. Yeah, there was some good stuff this week. You know, we're, we're talking right now, recording the day after the Wednesday Night Wars. And i got to say, quote, I believe it was Brian Alvarez, I heard this. NXT has become the work rate show for me. Whereas AEW is sports entertainment. It's good sports entertainment, but, and it's definitely better than anything Raw and SmackDown are doing in terms of sports entertainment. Although those shows are getting, some of those shows are getting better sometimes as well. But NXT has truly been an alternative for me. It's been more wrestling based, and the stuff that happened last night where Keith Lee, especially at the end, where uh, there was a six man and, you know, he did, Bauer got involved and, at the end of it, Lee still managed to triumph. He just looked like a bigger star to me. It was just chaos and scores to win for him and Ciampa and Dijak. And now we're looking at Lee versus Ciampa versus Bauer with the winner versus goal. It's just like it's a really good wrestling show. Not only that, but you had a great brawl between Kylie Ray and Mia Yim. Yeah, and Mia Yim. So you're talking about another great fight there where they literally fought all around the building then you have the surprise match of grimes versus Kushida. yeah surprise it's kind of funny because i ended up watching the rest of that this morning i had work going on and i saw a text from you that said Kushida versus grimes and i was like all right cool and then i get to that segment and i see raul mendoza coming out and i'm like Hey, wait a minute. It literally been seconds. You just see Grimes jump out of nowhere and plants his feet on Mendoza. And I'm like, well, all right. I guess that didn't last long. All you guys don't realize here is that there was a moment where Dave's sitting there thinking, did AJ really think that Mendoza was Grimes? 
I just thought he ruined this Raul Mendoza moment for me. I was so excited to see Raul Mendoza versus Kushida. But, but Grimes will do too. But just from the beginning of the card till the end, it was great wrestling all around once again in NXT. Now, in fairness to NXT, this is what they've been since they started. Yes, they have. Even when they were just the one-hour block on the WWE Network, which you can still get for $9.99 each month and watch all of their pay-per-views, free plug, there you go. It was about the wrestling. And the fact that they haven't changed who they are and that they're sticking with that is the reason why they're getting over the way they are. I would agree. And, you know, honestly, I think if anything, to me, in terms of a wrestling product, their show just feels like a faster, hotter-paced show since they've gone two hours. And since they've gone two hours, more people are getting a chance to get over, too. Yeah, it's been and, very beneficial. And now AEW feels like I was on a dating website, and they told me that they were one thing, and I get there, and it's a 300-pound chick. <laughs> they were supposed to be all about the wrestling. They were going to continue to be that way. Hey, listen to us. We're going to follow our rankings. Everything's going to be like a legit sport, and we're going to focus on the wrestling. And now, they've done a good job with the rankings. They do keep track of the yes. rankings each week. However, they're giving us sports entertainment. It's, right. not, it's not as bad as SmackDown or Raw. No. They are still giving us good wrestling in between. I think Ray Phoenix stole the show last night. And that's because their storylines make sense, yeah. too. And they're consistent. Yeah, and Christopher Daniels, they did give us good wrestling in there. Yes. Where he looked like he was 20 years old again. We are getting very good wrestling in between. Dustin Rhodes, Fountain of Youth. Dustin Rhodes looks phenomenal. Absolutely, to me, the old guys are killing it on AEW. Jericho, Dustin, Cody. Not that Cody's old, but you get what I'm saying. The more established town, they're the ones that have just like been awesome to watch with this so far. What did you, what did you think of the ladies' match? I thought that Chris Statlander looked great. I've seen a lot of her before. I'm kind of biased. I really like her. And I was happy to see them pull off the upset. And I was more glad that she didn't just bow down and cut her hair to Awesome Kong. At the same time, it was nice that nobody looked bad there. That random woman that came out at the end, though. I'm a little confused by that. We'll see where that's going. Kind of reminds me of the Straight Edge Society back yeah, in the day. exactly. That's yeah. what I was thinking. She also looked familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on who no, that is. No, yes. I tried looking up today to see if maybe it was one of the local talent or something of that nature. Mm. But I couldn't find it as of this recording. I'm going to keep digging into that. I do want to talk the Nyla Rose situation. I think that it's great that they did put her over as a monster, putting the ref through the table, putting... What was the other young lady's name? Stephanie? Shayna. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, Shana. They put her through the table. She did beat the living crap out of the young lady that she was wrestling also. Yeah. yeah. So... It's a good way to get somebody over, and now they're putting her on suspension, from what I understand, for the next few weeks for hitting the officials. And they, they are following up with this. I don't know if you saw AEW Dark this week. Jimmy Havoc was wrestling Brandon Cutler, yeah. and Brandy, <clears throat> Jimmy Havoc, in storyline at least, apparently was fined $10,000 for using a state for. Yeah. So at the end of this match, Jimmy wins, and he staples a $10,000 check to Brandon Cutler. <laughs> And, and, and I said afterwards in the back, he said, you know who you hired. So. And once again, like we talked about with continuity, they're doing a good job with that. I'm not mm -hmm. going to get into my stance on the whole Nyla Rose and stuff like that. 
I figure that's for another podcast that's trying to be more cutting edge. The situation is they are building it correctly. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm super excited to see where a lot of the stuff AEW is still going. They're not pulling me away. It's just that it's really weird that the WWE, even though it's not a typical, it's not a Vince McMahon product, is kind of killing it in the wrestling department yeah. right now. What What do you think of the Cody Rhodes offering basically yeah. everything to get his hands on? What I find out with Cody is that no matter what this guy delivers in a promo, much like his father, he turns it to gold. Yeah, you know, no matter what it is, yeah, there's a kid he, in the front row that got a hundred dollars. Yeah, and he's super passionate about everything <laughs> he does, and he just delivers. So whatever Cody does, he's going to deliver. Now, I did find it interesting with the, we talked about, you know, obviously during the Statlander match, Awesome Kong comes down with Brandy Rhodes, and Brandy Rhodes actually, I thought, delivered a good promo. I thought her talking about the Nightmare um, Association and how there's different branches of it, and how she's the dark side of the branch, where she's going in there and actually doing things off to the side that nobody talks about but they don't mind it being done, it's kind of an interesting thing because if at some point Cody does let his dark side out and go heal and do whatever, Mm -hmm. then they come back around together, and right now they're just, you know, kind of doing their own thing. Right. They set the groundwork for that potential to happen if they want. Exactly. I don't think it's a bad storyline. I think it's something that could work. Is it my favorite storyline? Absolutely not. I think the hair thing is very ridiculous, but overall I thought Brandy did a good job with that. Yeah. AEW, too, we do have to get, understand, too, they're still a very young company. Yeah. You know, so that's the part of the thing. Well, I think that's something we forget. We forget that NXT, while it's new to cable, has had years mm-hmm. to actually build up. And they have a very, very smart and long-term television brand behind them. They're also them. not traveling. So you're talking about every week, right. at, even though it's only 5,000 seating or whatever it is seating, you're talking about having the same crowd there Every week, passionate, cheering for every storyline. Sometimes they almost take over the show with their cheering and stuff of that nature. What I'm interested to see now, though, is now that they've kind of built NXT up as this third brand, will we see more representation of NXT on some of these other pay-per-views, though? Like, not maybe, maybe like a match. Now, I'm not expecting necessarily to see them at the TLC pay-per-view, although I don't know what the hell we're going to see at the TLC pay-per-view, by the way, because they haven't announced a single match for that yet, and I think it's in a week or two. But what I'm curious about is, <clears throat> will we see NXT representation at the Royal Rumble? You know, they're doing a World's Collide event, too. Like, how's this going to work out? And what I think is, if you're building NXT as a third brand, could the winner of the Royal Rumble challenge for the NXT heavyweight title as well? I, I think that's definitely not an option. What if Ciampa goes and wins the Royal Rumble? Right. Is at that point, we know Ciampa wants to stay in NXT, that he has, doesn't have interest in going to SmackDown or Raw, but let's say Ciampa wins the Royal Rumble. At that point, can he go after, say, Bray Wyatt? Mm. Right. So I think it's going to be a mixture of NXT because... That's when they bring the brands in together. Survivor Series and Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, obviously, are the three times during the year that they bring the brands together. Royal Rumble, I think you're going to see a mixture in there. Is that when we're going to see Keith Lee finally really shine? Right, I could I mean, see... Keith Lee would be a beast in the Royal Rumble. I could definitely see Lee winning the Royal Rumble and maybe challenging Bray Wyatt or something for the belt. Or Brock Lesnar. How about Brock Lesnar, Keith Lee? Oh, that would be a nice dream match. You're talking about somebody who can legitimately have the size... 
I mean, at 6'2", 320 pounds, he's a legitimately large guy. Actually, that would be a lot better than the potential match I heard about. The potential matches I heard about for Brock would be, and this isn't the worst one, a third match, well, not really a third match, but, uh, you know, counting their shoot fight with Cain Velasquez. And the other one, apparently, that's been talked about is Brock and Tyson Fury having a match, which I could not see that going well. No that offense. might be the worst possible matchup. Yeah, that can't be good. So I would hope, I mean, if we can get somebody like Keith Lee against Brock, that would be a much better Well, outcome. not only that, but in the Rumble itself, another chance for a matchup between Braun Strowman and Keith Lee. Sure. And I, like I said, I think that it's definitely going to be great to see what representation. They're still doing takeovers. So maybe it's not a complete switchover where you're going to have NXT and all you know, the main pay-per-view brands, but maybe with the big four at least, you know, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and maybe something to consider is when we get to the draft next year, actually mixing up a lot of the talents, but sending some talent to NXT, but then sending some talent up, you know, maybe kind of mixing it more. And now, Mm -hmm. last night, they made mention for the first time of the World's Collide pay-per-view, which, by the way, one of the ones that the WWE trademarked again and refreshed the trademark after um, not being used for so long for WCW. But if I'm starting off that and I want to make a big push for the World's Collide pay-per-view, and am I I sending a forgotten uh, Cassius Ono to again? (laughs) I, I, I think we can do a little bit better, and if there's any one flaw from last night... Maybe we can do a little bit better on who we send over to uh, mm. make that work. And it's not that they had a bad match. It's just it's literally the same match we've seen every time now. Yeah, that was the one thing, too. I don't know, right? They put, picked Riddle again. Exactly. Like, what good was going to come of that, I thought. Like, I was like, I didn't want to see Riddle lose, but I thought it would have been nice to see Cassius maybe. If you're going to have worlds collide and you right. have somebody invading... You typically want to have them make a good appearance right, right. and attack somebody and beat somebody down. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's one thing where I thought NXT uh, missed the boat on. But, I mean, they've already had Imperium, so I guess that might have been the logic. But I would say it brought them back. But Imperium came in with no mention of World's Clot. Right. Imperium was just coming in and actually going where they wanted to go with uh, UK NXT Championship. This, they literally had him interviewed right beforehand and said... I'm here, and the Worlds Collide's coming. Let me and, give you a little preview. And half the audience went, oh, yeah, Cassius Ono is on UK. Right, 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 right. He said he revitalized his <laughs> career, but I don't know if that's uh, actually I, I, No, no. It's okay. a good show. Now, I don't know if you are watching it, but it's a good first show. First of all, I think we can agree that at one point, Chris Hero was a megastar on the independents. Even his first trip through the developmental with the WWE. But... When Chris Hero first started wrestling, he wasn't a 300-pound fat guy. Right, right, right. right. And I'm not knocking his work rate. He still works well, but he's not exactly spending the time in the gym, is he? No, no, definitely (laughs) not. Good segue. Speaking of guys spending a lot of time in the gym, Mr. John Hennigan, Mr. John Morrison, Mr. Johnny everything. He's on his way back. Yeah, Mr. Johnny backstage. Johnny backstage. Yeah. Where do you think he's going? What do you think's going on? Well, he could show up anywhere, he really. could, right, yeah. I mean, tell me he wouldn't be a great fit in NXT. I'd love, that's where I'd like Johnny to be. Johnny NXT. Though. I'd love to see Would we him. have a battle of the Johnny NXTs? Johnny Gargano uh, versus Johnny. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> takeovers. Yeah. yeah. But really, he fits in anywhere. Mm. He's obviously not going to bring in who... He's not going to be who they bring in to challenge Brock Lesnar. He's too busy fighting everybody who's horrible. But couldn't you see him come in and go after Bray Wyatt or wrestle... Really, anyone. Yeah, I think the best place for him would be in NXT. He could really shine there, and he could help get some other people over. Love to see him versus Finn Balor versus Adam Cole. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's great about John Morrison is is he can work heel or face. It's not set one or the other as to what he has to work. Right, right, right. He really has the ability to work either way. By the way, I enjoyed backstage. I know it's not getting the viewership necessarily that they're looking Mm. for yet, but I think they're doing a good job with it. I like Booker T on there. I think Paige does a good job of calling people out on stuff. Christian seems a little uncomfortable. Hmm. But I think overall, even Renee Young doing a good job on it. Yeah, and I thought Rollins looked pretty good last night on there. He did, and he came across the right way. Yeah, He didn't come across as whiny. He kind of told us what's going on with the Twitter, where he's coming from. He did a good job once again of playing off of the CM Punk. Oh, here I am. You guys knew when I was booked to be here, and Hmm. I don't see CM Punk anymore. Right, 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 right. Actually, I will say that's one thing, as far as main roster goes, that I've really liked is the fact that now Seth seems to be going towards his heel turn. It's a much more comfortable fit for him. He seems better on the mic. You know, like Seth talking down to people and being this insulting guy seems to be what he's good at. It is, and I would rather them see them embrace that. We've talked to a lot of, we do these interview segments where obviously we've talked to a lot of superstars now, and everybody agrees on the same thing. When you're able to stay closer to who you genuinely are, Mm -hmm. it makes for a more riveting interview. If you're a complete prick, then go out there and be a prick. Don't go out there and try and be Mr. Rosie Sunshine, because people aren't going to buy it. They're going to see through it, and they're going to think you're fake as shit. Yeah, I would say, and not that I think he's a prick, but one guy that seems to have never really, like, totally let him be himself is Roman. Yeah. You know, like, Roman, and I hate to say it, but, like, almost like when he got the cancer, that's when they let him be himself. Yeah. And he was the everyman, and then when he came back at first, they let him be himself. But even now, it's they're like they're pulling they, him away they're again. pulling away again, yeah. I like the fact that every once in a while you see him make a smart-ass comment. Right. And he's hilarious when he makes those little smart-ass comments. Right. Like Jericho had talked about this on a podcast before. It said something about where Roman Reigns is a cool guy. And a lot of the stuff that they have him do is stuff that he would never do. Yeah, So, and, and I think the fans see through that. Kind of like Cena. Right. I think that... It, did you watch... Um, Total Divas at all. No, absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) So when you watch Total Divas and you see the way John Cena actually acted Mm. towards Nikki Bella and how much of a control freak he is in his life of how Mm. much he needs it to be literally, okay, I'm going from point A to point B to point C. Everything's planned out. Boom, 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 boom. I think that gave a little insight as to what John Cena's real personality is. And I'm not saying that Total Divas isn't fixed. I'm sure, you know, as you know, I believe everything's fixed. Right, right, right. So, but I think to a point, John Cena needs everything to be A, B, C, D. I'm in control of everything. Hmm. And I think that one of the things that rubbed fans the wrong way was him doing this. And it's not that he's not a nicer guy. But him trying to always be that super nice guy was what the fans saw through. And and I think when you let Cena actually be a little bit of a prick also was when he had much better charisma with the fans. Sure. 
Yeah, and we Cena, saw that with The Rock. Cena off the cuff has always been a better interview too. Than the interviews to... with The Rock. Yeah, when he uh, actually yeah. was able to say some things that were dickhead things to say. Quite frankly, he was far more entertaining. Yeah. Than coming out and it's almost like Mick Foley. Mick Foley towards the end of his career came out and. All of a sudden, it's good to be here in St. Louis. Right, right. Whereas early on in his career, when he came out and was just bloodthirsty and saying whatever he thought and was feeling it, those interviews are some of the best interviews ever. No, Mick is one of the best promos of all time. Early Mick Foley, yeah. Yeah. And, and John, yeah, there's definitely times too. Even like I remember he had the feud going with Randy Orton and they were in Seattle. And it was supposed to be the unification of the belts, the SmackDown, and the fans just started popping for Daniel Bryan and basically taking over the segment. John went over and pulled Daniel Bryan because it wasn't planned. And he said, you know, he asked, he said, uh, any of your parents, superstar, mother or father? And he said, nope. <laughs> and, and he basically wanted to think about how, you know, it's more impressive. This guy isn't a third generation superstar. And he cut this great promo about he'll give him a title shot because he deserves it. And it just, the whole thing, when John goes off the script, much better. Much and, better and once again, to go back and bring this back or to backstage, I know um, CM Punk is going to be back on backstage next week. Which, of course, Rollins reacted with, yeah, of course he's going to be here next week when I'm not here. <laughs> but the thing about CM Punk and what made him connect or what made Daniel Bryan connect with the audience was them being real to themselves. Mm. When CM Punk came out and said those things on WWE TV about the glass ceiling, about the pipe bombs, about not being given a chance, those were things that connected because they were things that were really going on or he at least perceived them to be really going on. Same thing with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan felt like he was held down because of his size, because of his look, because of these are legitimate things that he felt were happening. So when he got to speak on that, it was passionate. It wasn't somebody handing him a script going, all right, this week, Bobby and Rusev, you guys are fighting over Rusev's wife. Go get him. Now, <laughs> one thing I want to talk about before we finish up or I ask you if there's anything else you want to talk about. Let's circle back here because I uh, had forgotten about this. Oh, more Nyla Rose. No, I don't want to talk about Nyla Rose. Oh. <laughs> She's great. I want to talk about the ratings. Absolutely. NXT, NXT won the second week in a row, but I was more concerned that they both kind of dropped. But it was a holiday week. Now, if you're AEW in particular, when you see your lowest number yet, do you? I say you don't pull the panic button. But, like, do you do anything at all, or you just go, let's keep doing what we're okay. doing? First of all, not only was it a holiday week, yeah. that Wednesday was the night before Thanksgiving. Right, absolutely. Literally the bit, one of the biggest travel days of the year. Right. So you're talking, talking about families not being able to sit there in front of the TV and not being able to... Uh... Actually, and I'll even go a step further. WWE and NXT has, like, the over 50 audience. This is locked down. A lot of younger people are probably not watching TV as much. Exactly. Right, yeah. So if they're per, if they're pulling the panic button on this, right, then they don't grasp anything that's going on in the world. Because it was really ironic. It was almost right after this too. Then the ads came out. There were almost a little negative, like uh, AEW Dynamite, and it was like in the thing crushes NXT, demolishes NXT. I think what you're going to have to do is look back and see what this week does. Yeah, I think and this will be I a very. I think you're going to see it as a very easy bounce back. Yeah, I think this is the week that'll be interesting. NXT has definitely been firing all cylinders, but I think AEW does have a loyal fan base. I think I wouldn't be surprised if AEW catches them and beats them again this week, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. Now, if they lose again and say the number's down, 
then maybe that's what it depends how down it is too. Are we talking neck and neck? And I would like to point out that yeah. at the shows that we're seeing, the live shows for AEW, they're being smart about the buildings that they're booking. Right. They're being smart about where they're going, and they are filling out those arenas still. Yes. They're selling out very quickly. They're selling a lot of merchandise. I've over the last couple of weeks, believe it or not, in Connecticut, have seen merchandise on people randomly for AEW. Mm. And to be in WWE's backyard, right? And seeing the AEW merchandise. And to be fair, I mean, one of the problems they could encounter is that, like, I actually did on the flip side of that. I heard they're having trouble selling out a, a building uh, in Ohio, I believe, which I don't in, know in how fairness, strong. Though, nobody likes Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how strong that market was, but I will say this though: one thing they could suffer from too is we have wrestling on every night of the week right now, pretty much too. Yeah. So. Well, it also depends on where it is in Ohio. There are certain areas of Ohio that are hotbeds. Cincinnati and Cleveland are both hotbeds yes, of wrestling. Yes, yes, yes. Is Akron, Ohio a hotbed? I have to I take a know. look. I don't know. First of all, who wants to live in Akron? That's a good point. I can tell you, I've traveled through Akron. <laughs> it's the only town I've ever been in where they have more strip clubs than um, libraries. You know, on that note, now that we buried Ohio, is there, uh, at least Akron, Ohio, is there anything you want to add this week? Well, Ohio, by the way, is the home of Ulysses S. Grant, the birthplace of Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. There was a president born there. So now that we've buried it and educated <laughs> you about it, is there anything else you want to add left? <laughs> um, the Wright brothers also All right. started. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> to me, it's just, guys, get out there. Continue to support your local independent wrestling. We, as a podcast, we're going to start doing something new over the next few weeks, maybe next couple months. We want to start... the works. Yeah, we want to start getting out to the live independent shows so if you're fans of us and you have an independent wrestling um, promotion that you're a fan of and that you really want us to check out i want you to do me a favor i want you to reach out to us on twitter reach out to us on the facebook reach out to us on instagram email email us let us know what your favorite independent wrestling group in the northeast preferably is yes and we're going to go and we're going to check out some of those shows and also, if you have wrestlers on those shows that you really, truly would like us to interview, let us please know. let us know, and we'll reach out to them, and we're going to try and set up those interviews for you. Yes, and if it is in the Northeast, we will definitely try to make it. For those couple people that maybe watch us in Taiwan, or yeah. England, we're probably not going to get there right away. <laughs> we appreciate our loyal listener out there in New Zealand, Canada, Taiwan, Wherever you are, we appreciate it. We appreciate yeah, it. wherever you are, we appreciate you. I mean, I don't agree with you. Usually you add stupid comments in. But, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Also, get a hold of us for our 531s. Let us know your top five on things. And maybe we can create a 531 specifically for you. Let us know a topic, and we'll debate it. All right. All right, that'll be it. Thank you, as always. This is Dave the Fan and AJ. We're out. Welcome to the Working Fans Podcast. It's Dave and AJ, and we got a special guest today, a guy who's competed in ECW, WCW, GWF, World Class, and AWA, Mr. Rod Price. Rod, how are you doing? I'm doing good, yeah. You know, you start listening to all that stuff, it's like, wow, I'm old and been around. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, but, but you have competed in all those promotions then, yes? Yeah, I sure did. I, you know, I was... I was very blessed at the time to get in when I did, you know. It, it wasn't the roaring territories that everybody was coming out of, but there was still territories around. So I, I, I was very blessed. 
Well, now before you got into wrestling, we did a little research. You had a, you were in the NFL as well, right? How many years did you play? Well, I started with the Rams, kind of bounced around, you know, had cups of coffee. Raiders are my are my favorite team from a kid anyway, but I, I bounced with them. I bounced with the Chargers. So, you know, I moved around a bit, had a couple of cups of coffee, blew out a knee, and it was time to go wrestle. So There you go. And so now from there you went to uh, train with Red Bastine, is that right? Yeah, Red Bastine and Mondo Guerrero. Wow, Mondo too, wow. What was that like? <laughs> Training Mondo's great, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a kick, but you know, he's known as a man with a thousand holds. Red, Red was the one that recruited me and always kind of advised me, took, him, took me under his wing. But Mondo did all the in, in-ring physical training. And then when I left California, man, I had so many people help me. It was unbelievable, you know, from Killer Brooks, just off the top of my head, that took me under his wing too, let me polish up with him. What were some of the first promotions you worked for? I worked for an AWA in California yeah. and Las Vegas. And then when I left there, I came straight to the trail end of world-class USWA. When I was talking to AJ before, he remembered about all the stuff. The one thing we had trouble looking up, and I'm going off of memory with this, so you can help me out here. Sure. We, we were fans, and I watched you as a kid at AWA. Were you in a tag team with Magnificent Kevin Kelly? Man, the name sounds familiar, but... Mm. I can't remember. No, that's all right. That's all right. He, he ended up wrestling in the WWE. I think they would most people would remember him as Nails many years ago. Yeah, so that's what we were trying to... When I remember you, I was a Texas guy. I was a fan of US, uh, the world class, and then obviously um, USWA, and then went into global. And to me, what I always remember is you breaking in, and I can remember you teaming with Steve Austin. Yeah, Steve and I, you know, we, we both looked alike, had a good look, and they wanted to run with it. Yeah, with Steve and I cut our teeth. We worked for him. We worked for a little bit for Fritz, and we worked a lot for Jarrett. And I, I worked a lot for uh, Adams. Chris used to use Steve on his shows all the time. So when we started tag teaming together, that they started doing that too. And, you know, I had Steve, I, and Gene, you know, that was the threesome, so... Yeah, I remember you were actually working all over the place with Chris Adams. You guys had such great chemistry together in the ring. I think it was just such an interesting combination of styles with you having more of a power game and still being able to work. You were that great combination there. And then Chris Adams, obviously, with the work rate, the two of you's chemistry was just off the chart. Yeah, Chris and I always, you know, we could get in the ring and, you know, work. That's... Sometimes that's your relationship with the, with one of the boys. You may not like them outside the ring, but once you get in the ring, it's all business. So, And Chris and I were just that tight. Yeah. Yeah, we heard. I mean, obviously, there's a very famous incident with you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, our relationship wasn't that great before. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I hear that. Now, in fairness, a lot of people had that relationship with Chris Adams in that area. When I worked down there, I worked down in Plant City, Florida, and I worked throughout... Alabama, and he didn't exactly have the best reputation of being good with the boys. 
No, and that started, you know, with his own promotion. You know, I understand you got bills and you need to, you know, pay people, but we're putting we're putting asses in the seat, and you want to you want to give us? We drove four hours. Do you want to give us forty bucks? I was like, I don't think so, Chris. Mm, exactly. So, yeah, it's funny. That, I, was, that was a lot of the heat, and I think that was the. Pretty much the general census of it with yeah. the boys. Yeah, anytime we get short payouts and we're the ones putting the asses in the seats, mm. it's a little hard to swallow. Uh-huh. I, I just heard a story today, actually, on one of the podcasts. It was They were joking around about it, but it was apparently when a lot of the boys I guess, got to see Jerry Jarrett's house for the first time. They were like, ah, uh, we need to get paid more. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, trying to separate told, Jerry... I- Oh, please go ahead, Rod. I sold out when Carrie and I did the angle while well, I was coming out of the audience before Steve and I even started the tag. You know, we sold it out to Spolatorium and he paid me a hundred bucks. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that's incredible. Uh. I, I was staring at that thing so long, I was hoping the numbers would change. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I, uh, the story, I think Steve tells a story where he was looking at his check in Tennessee, and I think Jeff went up to him and said, looking at it, it ain't going to make it get any bigger. <laughs> <That's right. Yeah. laughs> hoping, an, hoping another zero pops on there. Oh, oh always. Oh, always God. So, Rod, I'm actually going to share something with you that I didn't share with these guys because I wanted to surprise them a little bit. Years ago, I trained with Adrian in 94, um, and... I, I was lucky enough to work a show. I was always just somebody, uh, basically an extra on there, try, doing it because I loved it. I wasn't someone who was a superstar. I wrestled, like I said, throughout New England, the Southeast. I was lucky enough to be on a show many, many, many years ago with you. And don't get me wrong, I'm not expecting you to remember who I am. But I can tell you this, and I'm going to share this with these guys. You were one of the most giving people who I've ever talked to on any card. And you made me, who was wrestling in the opening match that night, feel like I was a superstar just with the advice that you were giving me and the fact that you took the time, even though you were working the main event, to treat me as good as you would have treated anybody else in that card. So personally, I just wanted to say thank you for that. Oh, well, uh, don't get the big head, you know. <laughs> I don't, I try to, I'm kidding. Yeah. I try to, you know, I try to pass on what, other people have given me and they and brother when i tell you like tim brooks sent me down and talked to me the same way yeah you know and and that meant a lot to me coming up and if it was important to me you know i think i should share it so you know that's that's just the way i the way i tried to you know keep my uh, reputation in the business you know just do anything i'll help you out any way i can if you're hurt we'll work around the injury you know it's been, one of the boys. It's been over 20 years, and I still remember that advice that you gave me that night. Because at that point, I was green as goose shit, and I tried to do way too much in the match. And you literally sat me down and said, kid, y- you-, you didn't look bad out there, but you're really just doing too much. Try to focus on telling the story and focus on what you do well, and you'll go a lot farther. So right. great right. advice. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad it was passed on, and, you know, it, it makes my heart warm to 
get that feedback, you know, that I just wasn't blowing smoke. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. One of the things I remember I really liked, I want to say I saw it in Global, too, was you and a guy named Hollywood John Tatum. California yeah. Connection. Yep. You guys were a great team, man. Like, was that one of your favorite partners, or? Yeah, you know, I, I tagged with, often on, you know, all good relationships, but with John, it was just something special. John, I learned so much from John, psychology, and the biggest thing I learned from him was to go out, people have told me, you know, somebody tells you something, oh, you need to do this, you need to do this, and you just don't get it, they can tell you all you want. But when you, when that light finally comes on, man, it's like, wow, now I get it. So with John, it was like, because I'd be like, what do you want to do? He goes, well, we'll wait till we get out there, let's see what they're buying, and we'll go from there. So he was telling me to go out there, let's, they've seen a lot already, so let's give them something different. And it, for us, it worked every night, you know. John showed me how to get that reaction that you want and then feed off of it. You worked in, like, so many, like I said, different promotions. ECW, Paul Heyman, World Class, Fritz. Was Gary Hart around, too, at that time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. in fact, Steve and I worked for, uh, we worked Friday night Sportatorium, Saturday night Gary Hart ran at the Metroplex in Dallas, and we used to, you know, we'd take that booking, so we were guaranteed at least two, and then we'd pick up, uh, we picked up a Wednesday and a Thursday gig, so we had pretty good, pretty good week for the time and day. I mean, you worked with a lot of, like, it looks like smart guys in wrestling, like, is there anybody you would say, like, in terms of a promoter that you were, like, very impressed with? You're like, okay, I can see why this guy is at the top of his game. I was like, you know, yeah. with the rep- reputation he has, but, you know, barring all that, putting all that on the shelf, he had a mind for wrestling. You know, some of it was really off the wall, and some of it wasn't, you know, some of it was like, couldn't see it at the time, and then when it happened, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. So, Paul always impressed me that way. Now, I, something that we haven't talked about yet is is that, to me, I think you were the greatest GWF heavyweight champion of all time. I think that's something we can all agree on. How was your time being on top for that uh, GWF, which, of course, was the focus on um, ESPN for a long time? Yeah, I mean, what a ride. They, they approached me and wanted me to work singles. So I said, all right, I turned them down, and I told, I told John that. He's like, Why, why'd you put me in my partner? I said, because they offered more money. I I love you to death we're good friends today but you know the bottom line it's professional wrestling being paid right (laughs) amen we had a good time with that I mean I enjoyed you know the promotion Greg Pearson was being part of the book and he'd have some just crazy ideas you know that bungee cord match Mm. they had I mean some of them were just like stupid. Right. But every once in a while you come up with something that's decent. What I enjoyed about it was is when it got you into singles, it gave us a chance to see more of your personality and more of your time on the mic. And I think you really ran away with it on the mic. Well, <laughs> I, hope, I mean, I enjoyed, uh, Gary Hart told me just be real. You know, everybody screams and yells, just be real, just talk. Mm. And he told me that years ago. 
But, uh, you know, I think I always felt my mic skills could have been stronger, but I always had a mouthpiece for me. I had Akbar for a long time, and John was pretty much our mouthpiece, so. But I think you did manage to do something that a lot of good interviews do, and like you talked about with being real, you kept your the pace and the cadence of how you were talking, and you never got overly excited. So if you did get excited, it meant more. Whereas if somebody comes right. out there and screams every other word, what does it really mean when they're upset? Exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, Rod, who are some of your favorite opponents? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> in Dallas, you know, I wrestled Al Perez a lot. Enjoyed working with Al. Chris Adams has me at the top of the list. I mean, had good matches with Booker T and Stevie Ray. Yeah. I mean, in Dallas, I had a good time. I mean, I loved working with Rob Van Dam when I was in ECW. Mm. You knew what was going to happen. You know, mm. you just had to be on your toes because you might get that. You might get excited and give you a spinning back kick out of nowhere. But <laughs> You knew you the know, potatoes yeah. were coming. <laughs> <laughs> kept you going but man I've had I've been blessed with so many good matches I just don't mm. you know it's funny because like you've wrestled with Booker T when he was young you teamed with Steve Austin when he was young was there a guy you thought right away like anybody in particular you ever looked at and go okay that guy's gonna be a star John Bradshaw okay yeah there you go <laughs> yeah you talk about a combination of size and speed and just well, personality he had to, he, he had the size, he was an athlete, mm. and, you know, he just, we went to Europe together, we went to work for uh, Otto Vaughn together, in fact, mm. John helped me get on that. He had the size at the time that I knew New York was looking for, you know, it was still the land of a giant, and Vince loved big guys, and John could work, so I always, always knew Johnny was going to go, and I, and I can even say that about uh, Sean, one, two, three kid, back in GW mm. He was just another natural. Yeah, that's funny. When I first saw John in GWF, I, he reminded me of Barry Windham a lot. And well, they hooked him up together. They did, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they thought it too. <laughs> yeah, at that, point, Barry, at that point, Barry was looking more like his dad. Mm. Yes, mm. yes. <laughs> Well, I though, that's good you saw that right away because I remember when I was a kid and I was only a young teenager watching the GWF, but I remember thinking, with Watman, I love this guy, but I'm like, oh, I'll, I doubt he'll ever make it because I, I knew even at that age that, like, you know, people that size weren't usually on the TV. But, nope, he did, and boy, he that kid made it very well. <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that I respect most about you, uh, to be honest, is how you evolved. I think that a lot of times as we start to age as wrestlers, we have a tendency of not necessarily seeing the signs and we try to stick with a character that might be a little bit past what we are. Right. And let's face it, it it would have been ridiculous for you now to go out there as the California stud. And (laughs) whereas you were... Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Whereas you were able to evolve into this new character and genuinely be yourself once again and it's extended your career by decades you bet absolutely and you know that's i hate change and i'm probably the worst person you ever meet about changing something but in professional wrestling we call it a retread and that's you know that's that's how you keep going you know a lot of a lot of 
good wrestlers have done that. Now, do you ever work any dates still, Rod? No. No, okay. And you seem like you're in good shape from pictures and stuff I've seen of you. That's why I was just curious. Well, I, I went and I did a show last December, about this time last December. It was a benefit for uh, Rick Labaris in Galveston. It was like a biker show. wasn't really a wrestling people, but, you know, just went out and had fun and hmm. didn't have to take too many bumps. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think one of the things that sometimes people who haven't worked forget is that even though we might keep ourselves in good shape and we look good that our bodies still hurt that there's only so you many bet. bumps in the bump card yeah. <laughs> you, bet. you bet once they've been punched forget about it exactly I don't think people realize on a day-to-day -day basis the hips the back the ankles the knees oh well, I guess what I was kind of wondering is, like, I hear a lot of talk today about today's locker room has really changed. And I was just curious, like, if you had to, got to experience any of that, too, like, comparatively, you know? No, I mean, <laughs> my memories of locker rooms are smell like Bengay, <laughs> whatever beer they had last night, coming out of their pores. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I kind of thought, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a slightly different atmosphere than what we were. I can remember being in locker rooms, and basically we were playing cards, drinking beer. Uh, right. from, from what I'm told, it's a slightly different atmosphere now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I did some independence right before I just said enough. And the locker room was like, you know, I didn't know anybody. I knew some people, but I didn't know them. And it was like, they were all into, you know, everybody was on the phone. Everybody was like having a conversation with one person. And I was like, I don't remember this. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, right, right, right. Well, I think right. one of the reasons why we took such good care of each other back then was the fact that it really was a camaraderie, a brotherhood, where we did communicate with each other, where we did realize that we were trying to take care of our families, mm -hmm. take care of our livings. And we got to know each other. Now everybody's on their cell phones, and half these guys barely know two things about each other mm. before they go out there and work. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we used to, I was giving my body to somebody, and I wanted them to take care of it, you know. And they were doing the same thing for me, you know. They were, they were going to go up for a big slam for me. So I didn't, you know, I was very cautious, very aware about not dropping them on their head or make them give a goofy bump and end up tweaking their back or something. And later on, I saw, they just, you know, I noticed the wrestlers, they just don't care. As long as they get that little pop, you know, they don't care about the other guy. Hmm. Well, the other thing was is that we were trained in a way where if we did something out there that was out of character or if we didn't take care of somebody, not only did it go against us for every show that we might go to, but it would go back to the people that trained us. Like, say that you messed a spot and somebody landed on their head. They're going to go back and they're going to talk to Red Bastine. They're going to talk to Mondo Guerrero. What what, what the hell did you do with this guy? What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what, did you train him to dump people on their heads or what? So mm -hmm. it, definitely, it definitely reflects on who, who's ever training. And, you know, a lot of people are doing that to pay the bills right now so you bet it, it's huge yeah al snow was on with us uh, a few weeks ago and he was telling us like that's something he takes very seriously is his training at ovw and he was saying the same thing that when he was coming up he said if he had done anything wrong he said he said even to this day he said if he said something on a podcast and word got back that you know like the people he worked with like he would hear about it he'd get a phone call 
With that, obviously, we've taken a lot of your time today, Rod. We really appreciate it. Oh, hold on. Actually, I want to ask Rod something, too. I'm just curious. Given the time period you worked in wrestling, like, there's a lot of crazy stories we hear about. Is there something you could tell us <laughs> that, you know, that you're comfortable with? I don't want you to, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to bury anybody, but, like, <laughs> I'm just looking for, like, you know, just, like, a fun, wild story, maybe from the road or something. <laughs> oh, well. I'm sure there's plenty. <laughs> I'm thinking of Johnny Hawk. He was JBL, of course, but yep. Johnny Hawk back in the day. And we were in Japan, and one of the older Jap wrestlers was in there. One of them was Tiger Jet Singh, and I forget who was who else was in there. And anyway, Tiger wanted his kid to juice, and he forgot his blade. So John and I are done, and we're sitting we're sitting behind the screen and having a couple of beers, this and that, talking, laughing. All of a sudden, this kid comes flying in, and Tiger Jean says, Buddy, blade him. <laughs> I grabbed the blade. All I had was a fresh blade out of the pack. And I was trying to be gentle, and, man, I sliced this kid. from. It looked, it looked like I took a butcher knife and just slid his Oh, up. no. <laughs> I, got, I got heat from the Jap boys, from everybody. <laughs> Wow. In, in fairness. John was like, oh my God, what did you do? In fairness, a lot easier to blade oneself than to blade someone else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah, I haven't heard a lot of good stories about guys blading other people. It doesn't seem intentional, except for the, the New Jack Mass Transit incident. That might have been intentional. Oh, man. But, oh, oh, none of it seems to go well. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Stuff, yeah, if you got never again, I said never again. <laughs> exactly, but Rod, once again, we really appreciate you what, taking the time out. What, what are you up to now? Oh, like, too, Rod. Yeah. Oh, you were. Uh, well, I'm, I'm getting ready to have surgery. I'm getting surgery in uh, less than two weeks. So on the seventeenth, I'm having my left shoulder replaced. So hmm. basically, right now, I've just been, uh, you know, working out, trying to get ready for surgery and. Get past it and start 2020. Rod, where can your um, fans reach out to you and tell you how much you mean to them? And do you have anything that Man, you would like to plug? I'm on, I'm on Facebook. Just hit me up. Trying to get some things going for next year. I've just been, uh, I had a neck fusion in April, and now I'm having this uh, shoulder replaced this fall. So I'm just uh, a little behind and with my gimmicks, but I'll get it straight next year. Well, Rod, please, from us, our thoughts and prayers will be with your surgery. I hope everything goes Thank well. Thank you so much, man. And anytime you want to come back on the podcast, we would love to have you on. Maybe an update to let your fans know that you're doing all right after the surgeries. But okay. please, anytime. Yeah, have a strong 2020, Rob. Appreciate it. Thank Maybe you. Maybe we can get uh, me and Tatum on here. Oh, 100%. Oh, we would that. love that. Yeah. Um, we would uh, love to I'll hear the stories. On, I'll work on that on my downtime, guys. Oh, you're the best. Thank Rod, you so thank much. you right. for everything. We'll talk to you down the road. Thank Have a good day. Thank you for having me, man. Hello, everybody. It's former WWE superstar Al Snow, and you're listening to the Working Fan Podcast. This is the Working Fans Podcast with Dave and Joe, and we got a guy on today. This guy's worked for NWA, WCW, WWF, Mid-South, Georgia Championship Wrestling. He's wrestled Flair, Luger, Sting, Vader, Dusty, and now he's the host of Set the Hook with Pat Rose. Ladies and gentlemen, Pat Rose. Pat, how you doing? Hey, man, doing good. Good, y'all. 
thanks for having me on. I, I'm looking forward to this. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's good having you. Uh, and you've done a lot, man. I knew about you. I've definitely watched a lot of your matches. I grew up in the WCW kind of Saturday night days. When I started YouTubing you, I'm like, oh, man, Pat has wrestled a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? I, I mean, I was inches away from beating just about every one of them. Man. I don't care what they say. I was almost there. <laughs> man, I watched you wrestle The Undertaker, and then I saw you had wrestled Mean Mark as well. And I was like, oh, man, he's wrestled them a bunch of times. You know what? The way I look at that, when those guys were first starting, they want to put them with guys that can bump and make them look good. And I could do that, and that was my job, and I had no problem with it, man. And Lord help, who? Let's see, Mean Mark, Road Warriors, Warlord, Rick Rude. I was Rick Rude's first match when he came to Georgia Championship. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did not know that. Did That's pretty cool, man. He picked, he picked me up for a suplex, and he stood up, and I hit the mat, and he still had my head <laughs> in his arm. <laughs> Man, he turned out to be a house, buddy. He was a superstar. I love Rick Rude, man. Yeah, no doubt. No, Rude was definitely... We actually were talking about some of our favorites to never win the NWA world title that were in that era that time. And we thought, man, Rude was definitely one of our favorite guys for our era. Yeah. You know what? We And let me, let me say this before we get off the Rick Rudes and all them. We had Animal, Road Warrior Animal, on the show our show a couple weeks ago and I don't know if you guys know this I, I I knew it but I had forgot that all the guys that came from Minnesota Rick Rude, Road Warriors, Warlord, John Nord I love John Nord's death, Barry Darso they were all trained by Ed Starkey yep. up in up in Minnesota I don't know if you guys knew that or not but I you know I had forgot and it was amazing just sitting, talking to him, and just reminiscing. And, geez, what a guy, man. The Road Warriors, you know, almost the greatest tag team in the world. You know what I mean? I heard that Ed was famous, they said so. But he said that uh, Ed was great for training, but he never got in the ring because he didn't want to bump with any of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't blame Me neither. Those are some must. Yeah. In our research, it says here, you broke in and were trained by a gentleman by the name of Ken Hawk. Is that correct? That is correct, man. Uh, up on Washboard Drive in Cleveland, Tennessee. You know, when I started, I started going to the matches when I was 12 years old. I grew up on, on Nick Goulas and Harry Thornton wrestling here in Chattanooga. And at 12 years old, I knew what I was going to be. And it was going to be a professional wrestler. That's all I wanted to do. And I finally met Hawk. And he took me up to Washboard Drive. A guy named Mike Davis and Bill Lewis trained me. And it's beef, and I got a call coming in, but don't worry about it. Okay. Trained me in about two weeks. I was on... WDEF TV 12 TV. And I bet I caught everybody I knew, man. I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be a wrestler. <laughs> so it, it was something else. And I appreciate Hawk. Hawk has passed on now. And just, what a guy. What, what a guy. He was the manager of the original Samoans, T.O. and Tapu. 
You remember them? No, but I, I read that though. I the, the Samoans I remember were seeking off as far as back as I did, but yeah. I, I saw that though. Yeah, that was about '79, and Tio and Tapu. Uh, well, you know what? They were the headhunters in Continental. You remember them? The headhunters. I think I did hear of them. Any headhunters or something? Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of another team myself from Puerto Rico that were called the headhunters. A couple of heaviest set. I don't know if they went to Puerto Rico or not. Okay. Your first match was with a gentleman named Ken Lucas. Is that correct? (laughs) It sure was, man. (laughs) Uh, Ken Lucas. You know the funny thing we're talking during this interview? I just. TV 12 lets me come down once a month and talk fish, and we just had our Christmas show tonight. You know, talking about different gifts for the fisherman and fisher gal. And it's funny, every time I go in, I still see the place where I was standing. You know, Ken and I were standing, and I said, hey, man, you going to take care of me? He said, don't worry about it, kid. We'll have a good match. And I was a nervous wreck, buddy. But he took care of me, man. We did the top wrist swap thing. Where I'd pull the hair, he'd fight up. I'd pull his hair. It was great, man. <laughs> I was hooked then. I had actually seen, there was a clip on YouTube where they had, they brought a couple of you guys back to that studio. And it was interesting to see how the memories came back to you guys. Oh, uh, you know what? Golly. Yeah, that was me, Larry Cheatham, and Pez Whiteley. And Pez and Larry's passed on. And that was a fun time, man, just walking around, looking at the studio. I don't know if they showed it or not, but we went down to the dressing rooms and just just walking around and reminisce, man. As a matter of fact, the first time I met Bobby Fulton, this was so funny. I was downstairs in the dressing room, and Bobby Fulton used to carry a dead gum eight foot freaking suitcase with his with his <laughs> gear in it, right? I mean, it was huge. And all of a sudden, I hear plop 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 plop, and there's Bobby Fulton laying in the floor with his flip flops on. It had gotten wet. It would it had rained or something. He took a bump all the way down the stairs, man. <laughs> <laughs> That was funny. Now, I I also saw that you teamed with Andre the Giant one time. Is that true? Man, I did. In in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And I used to have a picture of that. Remember Polaroids? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You you can take a Polaroid here and it'll freaking develop in about five seconds. Mm -hmm. I had a Polaroid of that, and I don't know what happened to it, man. But it was a it was a young Andre, and the uh, only thing I had to do was get beat up, make the hot tag, and we won. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but that that was a fun time, man. Now that's when back when Andre was more mobile, right? Because when I grew up, oh. I kind of saw the later in life didn't move as much. Oh man, let me. You know what? We were doing TVs for WWF. I don't remember the year, early 90s, something like that. I was about to get out, and I seen him in Fort Myers, 
And it was the saddest thing because, you know, he couldn't hardly walk. He had a, and, and I don't mean this to put him down or nothing like that. Had a big, like a gallon of wine with him, you know. Yeah. yeah. And he just sat at the table and drank, man. Hmm. I mean, that's all he did, you know. And it was sad, man, because he's, he's freaking Andre. He's the man. Yeah, but as he got older, that pain really seemed to overtake him and really kind of ruined yeah. the quality of life he had. Yeah, and he, uh, what was he, in his 40s when he passed? I believe it was 44, yeah. 44, man, that's sad, but mm. I mean, golly. You know, one of the other things I wanted to ask you too, Pat, you've been everywhere. What are some of your favorite territories? Oh, Lord, man. <laughs> you know, I've been told if Pat Rose hadn't been to the territory, it's not a territory. So <laughs> I think that was pride, man. Favorite territory. Oh, God. No brainer. Pensacola. You want to hear the schedule? Yeah. Oh, my God. Monday night, 250 miles, Birmingham. Tuesday, 50 miles, Mobile. Wednesday, we were off. Thursday was. Montgomery, 180 miles. Friday was a spot show. And what a spot show is, is just where they run, you know. Yeah. Enterprise, Alabama, uh, you know, Selma, Alabama. Then once you get through with that spot show on Friday night, boom, here you go into Dothan, you do TV at 11 o'clock in the morning, go back to the Sheridan. It used to be the Sheridan and hang out at the pool, lay out, do whatever, you know. <laughs> No, there wasn't no girls around back then. Pat, <laughs> <laughs> you've obviously been on the road a lot just by judging by that schedule and all the miles and stuff. How about any good crazy road stories, like in the car or whatever, whatever you can tell us? <laughs> uh, well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> well, you know what? I would ride with Midnight, and here was our routine, okay? Say we were going to Little Rock, Arkansas. So everybody met at Dennis's. Everybody got in the van, car, whatever. Me and Cornette always rode in the back. Because hmm. we were, you know, we were more talkative, this and that, and having fun. And, and Dennis and Bobby, you know, serious and ready to go. Well, Bobby wasn't, but Dennis was. <laughs> the first thing you do with those guys when you hit the town Stop by the convenience store. You got to have your beer on ice, cool. I mean, packed down with ice, ready for when we go back home. <laughs> and then we come home, and it'd be it'd be balls to the wall. We'd be drinking and and having a good time and partying. And back then, north and south, you run seventy two highway seventy two, and seventy two, you'll see all of a sudden. There'd be a crowd of cars on the left-hand side of the road. There'd be a building with a bunch of people on the right-hand side of the road. And the highway goes straight through that. And what that is is a bar. And Bobby Eaton, when he drove, it was hammered down. <laughs> I mean, it was hammered down, brother. <laughs> Do me a favor. Can I take this call real quick? Can we cut right here and come back to Yeah, it? we can cut right back. Yeah, no yeah. problem. All right. Give me just a second. Yeah. Let's reschedule for a day, man. This is fun. Let me just ask you one final question, and then we'll uh, we'll let you go, too, okay? Uh, okay, sounds good. Can you hear me good? I'm on the car speaker. Yeah, I can hear you great, Pat. Okay, buddy. 
sorry about that, guys. No, that happens. Not a problem at all. No worries. What was it like living with Iron Anderson? Now we'll finish with that one. <laughs> well, you know what, man? Arn and I lived together. We party together, this and that. And one of the funniest stories, and I want to set the record straight. <laughs> he was talking about the podcast, his podcast, that I had a car repossessed and it had his walker or whatever he had (laughs) yes and i want to make a point he said my car payment was 99 dollars. it was not 99 dollars. it was 115 (laughs) (laughs) you're damn right (laughs) (laughs) and i forgot all about that that's awesome i forgot all about that that was so funny (laughs) but we come out man it was like well, where the hell's my car? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Arn was a lot of fun, man. He was. Pat, we'll let you go. We're gonna just gonna call this Pat Rose One, and we're gonna give a little teaser, hey, and then we'll come back and we'll. Let's, we'll... Do it. let's do it again, man. I got a lot of good stories. We'll have some fun, guys, and I, I apologize. I got to go pick my son up. He wrestles. Oh, that's awesome. He's just ready to go. That's not, you know, what are you going to do? I love that. Show up. <laughs> hey, let's, let's do it, guys. Thank you so much. No problem. Right. Have a good night. Pat. Have a good night, Pat. Hey, you guys too. Thank you. Yep. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 